Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Medicine on Tap. I'm Jason Kopeck. Happy to be coming to you live again from Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located here in Pittman, New Jersey. As we do each and every Tuesday evening, we've got a great crowd down here, and I got the good Dr. Frey with me. Doc, how are you making out? I'm doing great, Jason, but probably not as great as you. It's been a long uh, couple weeks, but uh, happy to say that my wife and I brought a new baby boy into the world. So doing this episode tonight on very little sleep, um, but happy to be back after a week off and happy to be back down here with all you guys. Congratulations, buddy. Thank you. Um, another episode where we had a unfortunate injury on the Thursday night football game to Russell Wilson, one of the marquee guys of the NFL. And you brought somebody special here with us for a, a, another repeat episode. Um, who do you got with us? We brought uh, Dr. John Jennings, hand extraordinaire, a second time on the show. Welcome. Oh, you're welcome for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Jennings, thanks for joining us again. Thanks. Uh, by this point, I think we all know Russell Wilson. Uh, he sustained the, the hand injury um, in that Thursday night game against the Rams. Uh, big divisional game, marquee game of the week for sure. Um, and we saw the kind of the still photo of the finger. Russell was kind of showing it over to the, to the sideline, showing the coaches, showing the sports medicine staff. What were your initial thoughts when you saw that? Obviously, it's never good when someone's finger is drooping down like that. Right. That's pretty flat. We talk about, you know, in hand surgery, we talk about the finger cascade or mm -hmm. the normal, you know, pattern that the finger moves in. And that's obviously abnormal and signals either a dislocation mm -hmm. or a tendon injury or, you know, something along those lines both. or both. Right. Yeah. Right. And the way it was stuck like that, I mean, what, what are your thoughts when you see that? You know right away what that means, right? an idea what it means i mean i think that what what has transpired i i'm not exactly sure what the the total uh injury pattern was there and the specifics of it but i think that it goes to show you uh, you know at least from uh dr steve shin who, who ended up treating him it sounds like there was not only a, a tendon injury but also a fracture dislocation in the next joint down and uh it's a little bit of the problem with trying to assess things just like as they are based on appearance or what it looks like or you know people trying to quote unquote pop things back in on the sidelines stuff like that is you know it's different obviously in the nfl you but mean your x-ray vision does not work so well on the telly <laughs> yeah if, if, if only but if only. uh you know the the it goes to show you there's just more to it than that and and so you know it's the importance of getting the x-rays getting evaluated sure we haven't even discussed what the diagnosis was, but when we see his finger in that type of deformity, that's an indication of what type of injury? It's an indication of e either an extensor tendon injury, so he cannot straighten the finger out through one of the joints of the finger, let's just say, or a dislocation can also look like that, okay. where just because of the positioning of the bones, you are just unable to bring that back out. Um, or both. Would it be common to dislocate that that portion of the finger, the last little knuckle before your joint? <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we say DIP joint or distal interphalangeal joint. The big words. Yeah, <laughs> DIP is easy. Yep. <laughs> it's very, very common. You know, we, we describe it as a mallet injury or mallet finger injury, which can be either uh, purely an injury to the tendon that straightens the very tip of the finger, mm -hmm. or you can actually pull a piece of the bone off actually and and so in some regard one way or another there's discontinuity that the tendon is no longer in control of the tip of the finger anymore 
uh, and that's why you see it trooping down. What's interesting about his, though, that you can see right off the bat is it wasn't just the tip. If you look very closely, yeah. it's not just the tip of his finger that's down that last joint. But the whole thing, you know, starting from that middle joint, the proximal interphalangeal joint, PIP, it's all kind of drooped down, which is, you know, raises some eyebrows, certainly when you're looking at it, saying this can't just be a small tendon injury. Not that that's that small in, in isolation either, but there there has to be something else going on. Right. One quick question for you. Let's go to his opposite hand, um, yeah. and we'll talk about how long he's out. And at this point, most reports say six to eight weeks, and obviously we'll touch on that. But real quickly, let's jump to his left hand. He's a quarterback. If this injury had happened to his left hand, is he out six to eight weeks? Or is this because it's a his throwing dominant hand? I'd say you're probably out six to eight weeks, especially with surgical treatment. And again, to be clear, now we're just talking about a mallet finger injury. Let's, it, we know from from his treating surgeon that there's more than just the mallet finger. He actually had a fracture dislocation of the PIP joint, at least, again, according to, to what we know. Um, so that does change the landscape of things. But when you're talking about one form or another of a mallet finger injury, uh, in a professional athlete, in a surgeon, in a chef, stuff like that, those are pretty good indications to treat it surgically. For everyone else, there's no reason really actually to go to go through surgery because the outcomes for surgery and non-surgical treatment are actually identical. Even with the fracture there? No, um, I'm, well... Oh, if it's just a which, if it's which just tendon. Yeah. Well, no, if it's a fracture too, right. um, there was initial stuff about how big that piece is, sure. if the joint subluxated, and exactly. some people still use that as a guideline, but there was uh, one of the, the major journals in hand surgery actually published something showing that even that doesn't really change outcomes with surgical. More than 50% is still okay. And yeah, even right. things that are three, four months out uh, can still be treated non-surgically, and everyone has a little bit of a lag at that at the tip of the finger. Uh, but the complication rate is actually lower with non-surgical treatment. The downside is that non-surgical treatment means you have to keep that perfectly straight for six to eight weeks. Um, and that means if you are in a splint or cast or whatever you're using to keep the, the finger perfectly straight, if that bends down even a little bit, you're starting the clock all over again and it's another six to eight weeks. So you could imagine as a football player, that's really hard to do. That's an ideal. So then you say, okay, well, what about surgical treatment? Would that, it, let's say it was his non-dominant hand, would that get him back and all this kind of stuff? The problem is surgical treatment, you're putting a pin down the finger usually to keep that joint perfectly straight, mm -hmm. which you still need a splint or cast or something on the finger. The downside though is the pin can bend and that's, uh, or break, and that's a, you know, a whole other, uh, a whole other thing. And, and so I don't honestly think it would change things too, too much. One of the things I'm always tuned into, uh, I noticed that Russell had a phenomenal tape job done on the sidelines by one of the athletic trainers. So I, what you know, the athletic trainer right, sees, so right? That's I what guess. I'm watching. Um, and, and it was a great tape job. One I haven't seen in a long time. I remember learning it at Westchester. And the tape job on the sideline looked like his finger was straight. But, but you and I talked about before, you know, I think yeah. Dr. Frey even got here tonight. The likelihood of that working, for the, even just to get him through the rest of the game, was very low, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, especially since it's, again, it, it, this in this case, it's more than just a mallet finger. Obviously, mm -hmm. at a fracture dislocation, the next yeah. joint down. And I don't, I mean, you're talking about an NFL-level quarterback mm -hmm. to have your fingers stuck out right. straight and also to be getting 
pressure from the yeah. defense. All, yeah. You know, the the problem is you can go from bad to worse yeah. at any point in time in the NFL. And so they tried. They made yeah. a valiant effort right. to get him through it and all and that. That's kind what of we're stuff. there for, right? But, I mean, hey, I tried everything, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I mean, you can see mm. the you know the outcome. Um, sort of speaks to itself and that that's just not a sustainable treatment. Let's back up a little bit. How, how do right. these injuries occur? So the, the middle finger is actually most common just because mm -hmm. if you hold your hand out, that's the one sticking out the furthest. Mm -hmm. And it's usually a flex, you know, a forced flexion of the tip of the finger while you're actually actively kind of extending your finger. And the counterbalance of forces there pulls off the tendon or pulls off a piece of bone in the back. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at his actual injury film in slow motion, it's his. It's interesting. You'd think like a blocked throw would actually bend your fingers backwards, mm -hmm. but I think he was just far enough mm -hmm. along in the in the throw motion. where his fingers again are coming off from throwing it as mm -hmm. he's getting an arm coming into his fingers there, and that did two things. Number one, I think it, that's where you get the mallet finger from and just the impaction probably of that force then coming down the pike, then nails even the next joint down and you know, that's, that's how he got it. But, um, it's pretty class. I mean, pretty yeah. classic way to get it. In a non-sports world, are, are you seeing these in the office typically from a non-athlete? Every week. Every, Every week. week. And how do those occur? Like, what are typical? I, I know the mechanism now, but how, how do you typically see a patient present? It's it's all over the map. I mean, I see people with injuries where they fall and, they you know, they go to stop themselves and it forcefully bends the finger down or even... Now, some people, it's innocuous stuff. You're going to pick something up and something hits it or whatever and, and kind of knocks the finger down. It's amazing, actually, how many of these you see where people think like, man, that really hurt. And <laughs> then they kind of get over it. And then it's like months later and they come in saying, I just like have not been able to straighten my finger out. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Do I have arthritis or whatever? And you can show them, hey, I can straighten your finger out. And you can't hold it up like that. That's pretty clear cut. And that's an interesting question. Now, what does that mean for you? I mean, if they're months later, it doesn't mean much. I, the The literature on this topic in particular is really interesting and answer. Like just what I was telling you, the the outcomes are about the same. Surgical and non surgical treatment, maybe a little higher complication rate actually with surgical treatment. Um, although, as we see, there are merits to, to mm -hmm. doing it. Sure. Uh, and the timing of it is not as important as you think, which kind of is amazing. Yeah. You think like my tendon is retracted and yeah. all this kind of stuff. How could three months later I go in and splint my finger straight for six weeks and then my tendon is working again? Mm -hmm. How is this going uh, Yeah, on? I thought you had to get to it within three months. I thought that was kind of the classic. There's the literature all over. I mean, e e just even three months, as you're saying, though, how is that happening? You know, it's, know. it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a fascinating thing, right. um, but it, it works, you know. And, and for those who it doesn't, then that's a good indication to, to think about doing something surgical. Right. Um, but it's, yeah. In that scenario, um, the, the, the less traumatic variety... There's no dis associated dislocation. There's no associated fracture. Um, person just can't straighten out their finger. Is there a huge downside if they're not too disappointed or upset about the cosmesis of it? There's a, is there a huge downside to just leaving it? Sometimes we do. Um, the The one thing that we think about is our our fingers, our bodies are 
pretty smart at figuring things out. And so sometimes that droop of the tip of your finger, if you can imagine uh, your your next joint down kind of tries to straighten things out and overcompensate. Yeah. And so then you end up getting more extension. The finger actually looks bent back at the next joint down as it tries to kind of straighten its way out. And you can get what's called a swan neck deformity. If you just picture it in your mind, you can see it kind of looks like a swan's neck. Right. Um, and that's treatable too. Uh, but as you say, you know, people that are coming to me months and months out and they're like, I can't straighten it. Is this a big deal? By then, probably you're not going to get one. And so it's probably fine. And, uh, so, so not everybody goes on to a swan neck deformity. Whereas no, some certainly not. Yeah. And, uh, the biggest thing though, is you're like catching it on things and stuff like, you know, it's when your finger's in a weird position like that, it can get in the way cause you can't clear your hand to, you know, grab stuff or, or whatever you're doing. How is that different for people that may be in the medical field already from, from something called a boutonniere deformity? Boutonniere, everything's working kind of in the opposite direction now. So you actually have, instead of a droop at the tip of the finger, you usually see overextension at the tip, tip of the finger and a bent down position of the, of the next joint up. And, you know, then we, we're really getting into deep into the woods in terms yeah. of how do you get that? Yeah, um, we don't have to go into that like detail that. at this point. Uh, yeah, because yeah. that, that gets really complicated, but... Um, basically, it's the exact mirror image of, of a uh, swan neck. Right. Boot and ear deformity, though, and I, I could be wrong, but wasn't there like a timetable? Like, if we don't fix this now, we won't get it back? You remember how you said you could be wrong? I'm <laughs> 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 no, just kidding. Um, yeah, so they do get very, very hard to treat right. as the further you get out because the problem is you get contractures. Mm -hmm. So you get to the point where you can't straighten it and I can't straighten right. it, even like... Yeah second early i'm mm -hmm. trying to push on it and i can't and then that's a that is more complicated for sure because mm -hmm. our goals kind of change now it's not just about tendon balance and all yeah. that stuff now we got to get your finger kind of straight and moving mm -hmm. first before we can even treat the thing that was yeah. the initial problem and hopefully you know knock mm -hmm. on wood you get it with good therapy and yeah. splinting or, or casting or whatever um, but if you can't, then you're looking at two surgeries mm -hmm. to correct it. One, just to get the finger moving normally right. again and, and get rid of the contracture and the second to, to fix the original problem. I bring that up because, uh, we have your colleague on a few episodes ago, uh, Dr. Dwyer and remember, I, I don't know if you recall Dr. Frey, he was mentioning, we, you know, some of the arena football guys when he right. would treat yeah. and he would say, uh, you know, some of these guys would come to me months later. And, you know, there was a, one specific case in my mind where it was like, yeah, either we do this now or like uh, the outcome doesn't look good, you yeah. know, and it becomes, I think, dramatically harder, I yeah. think. And your chances of obtaining the ideal result certainly go down. So. Yeah. yeah, those are tough injuries to start with. Um, yeah. And then adding adding contractures and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, is, yeah. as I'm sure he was uh, alluding to, mm -hmm. just adds more complexity. Right. We always talk about the uh, the nature of pro sports where MRIs happen instantly, and we, yeah. we, I'm sure Russell Wilson got one. But when you see a, a person present in the office, uh, a non-athlete, are you ordering an MRI, or are you just able to see off of you know visual what you need to see? Yeah, it, it's interesting. He, from what I understand, he did get an MRI. Although, again, I, does I, that really add to it? No, I don't think so. Right. I, I but it's very hard to be in the shoes of the person treating them because sure. they actually have all the information that we almost never get because right. they keep those cards tight to their chest. They also have unlimited resources. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I guess maybe their mentality is, am I being hurt by an MRI? No, maybe it, 
shows retraction of the tendon or whatever. Something the, you didn't anticipate. The only thing I can think of that might be running through the treating surgeon's mind is when he comes in with this fracture dislocation and stuff like that, I'm a, you know, he's not on the sidelines. They're calling him. Uh, you can imagine getting the phone call. He can't straighten the finger. Where can he straighten the finger? Well, right. kind of both joints. He right. can't straighten the finger. Well, did you do this thing? Yeah, but he can't really do that because it hurts. Right. So muddies the water having both of those. Yeah. Injuries. So since it's a little unclear, probably on the phone, I'd imagine again could be dead wrong here, but I'd imagine <laughs> that conversation. If you're getting that phone call, is I don't know if he has a mallet finger, a fracture dislocation, is something else going on? Right. Is it both? Right. Um, and certainly an MRI, you'd expect to be able to see it you know, tendon retraction and all this stuff from the malafinger. And I think that would be the, the advantage in this case. This is really rare. I mean, this is an, a very uncommon pattern of things to happen both at once to right. your point, 99.9% mm -hmm. .9 of people, there's no role for an MRI or advanced imaging. It's purely based on clinical exam mm -hmm. and x-ray. Well, an x-ray. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Again, you can debate how much that actually changes treatment, but it's still good to know, you know, the fractures and all this kind of stuff, if it's bony or, or, or soft tissue malignant right. injury, that kind of stuff. And it's good to rule out other things like PIP joint involvement, fracture dislocation, oh, other stuff. Would you proceed with surgical intervention without the MRI? Uh, are you talking about on, a, I, on an average, on an average, average patient? Total, yeah, average I would never problem. get an MRI yeah. almost. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, this is a, a very unique situation mm -hmm. and the same. Again, I, I am seeing them though in yeah. the office, and I think that in this case, my assumption is they're calling Steve Shin and saying this is what's happening, and he's like, I don't know what to make of what you guys are telling me. This right. is like crazy combination of things. Why don't you get an MRI? We'll see. Is it a mallet and that, or is it two? Oh, yeah. Is it whatever? So, so to be clear, it was a, it was a PIP dislocation. Yeah, the next joint down. Right, and and a fracture dislocation. Fracture dislocation of the of the DIP. No, uh, or is it purely just mallet uh, again bone, uh, from my from what i from yeah. the purely tendinous report, or purely tendinous at the at the dip joint the tip of the finger right. now and then if you go to the next knuckle down yeah. that's where he had a fracture dislocation where as the joint come the joint it's tough to get joints out of place they belong in place yeah. we do a lot of crazy things to them they yeah. stay in place even with all that stuff um so it's got two ways to get out of there right it can either blast through all the, the soft tissue supporting structures, the ligaments and stuff like that, or it can push its way out through the bottom or top of the joint itself yeah. um, and basically cause an impaction fracture. Uh, fracture. And then that lets it kind of get out of the, out of the cup, so to speak. Um, and so he had, it was obviously forceful enough, even though it's kind of crazy. If you look at it, it doesn't look that forceful if you're watching the film, right? but obviously it was forceful enough. Yeah. Then uh, you see the finger and you're like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> for sure. We know what the outcome for Russell Wilson is now. So he's going the surgical route. Is there a way you could summarize your years of expertise and education into what's happening in surgery? What, are, what is that surgeon doing in the operating room? I'm actually going to try to try to hone that question a little more because this is, I think, pretty unusual injury for, for it to be the PIP and DIP at yeah. the same time. So, so let's say it's DIP injury and, you know, like strictly more mallet finger, which is... Yeah. I think I think what I thought it was coming into the podcast. To be perfectly honest with you, um, so, so let's say it's strictly Someone didn't mallet do their finger. research, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a it's a bony, you know, fifty percent 
great or whatever, and you're going to go surgical. What, what are your surgical options to fix that mallet finger? So for him, he has a pure soft tissue mallet finger. Yeah. And so that is, or your goal is basically to do the same thing you would do non-surgically, keeping that Keep finger straight. straight, but to add something on the, basically you're doing it on the inside to, to facilitate, at least he can take off a splint, he yeah. can wash his hands, he can, you know, for, let's say you're a chef as a better example, right. you can still maybe do stuff back in the kitchen or whatever, um, where you might be getting dirty constantly and stuff like that. Um, the additional thing that you can do is something called a tenodermodesis, which is a, a, a mouthful, but you're basically, to describe it best, you have to know what that actually looks like. When the right. we talk about this tendon, we're all thinking in our mind of this like big rope of, of tissue that's connecting the things. This is paper thin tissue down there. Yeah. And so it's hard to just repair that. Right. Uh, so often we'll repair basically ellipse out some of the skin mm -hmm. over that area and repair the tendon and the skin all in one fell swoop. So you're stitching up the tendon, skin, everything like that all together to try to shorten and bring that tendon back together. Because right. it's not usually purely the tendon just rips off. It actually, if you can think of you and I were holding a rubber band and you started walking to towards the bar right now, right. you wouldn't just break the rubber band. It would stretch and then break. And, um, and so you're trying to actually shorten that back up to get it to heal in that shortened straight position too. And so that, you know, in my hands is doing the combination of those two, putting a pin, doing a, a tenodermodesis, fixing the tendon over the back. What, what if there's a piece of bone involved in that? Does that change how the way you're doing it? Depends it depends on what that piece of bone looks like. A small, like little fleck of bone or something. It depends where it is, stuff like that. And you can make arguments about how to fix that. Right. Um, if it's a bigger piece of bone, then we add extra pins usually to try to add bony contact because bone heals to bone much better than tendon heals to bone. So they and, say. So they say, <laughs> and uh, and so that's maybe adds a little layer of complexity. Sure. It adds to the complication rate because the more pins you have sticking out of your finger, especially pins under tension, the higher chance that they get an infection or, or a wound issue or, or something like that. And that's pretty much, I mean, that's my approach at least to, to mouth fingers. And, and in my hands, yeah. uh, that's six weeks uh, with that pin in yeah. uh, and protection with some removable splint uh, for the, that joint at the tip of the finger. Yeah. And then in the office, I'll numb their finger up and make a small cut over the, where I, 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 I guess I should back up. I cut the pin underneath the skin, which minimizes, we have evidence that that minimizes the chance of infection. So it's not sticking out of the skin. Yeah, you know, your skin's your barrier to the outside world. Right. And so anything sticking out from it is a way, a pathway in for literally anything you come in contact with. So I'm my, the pins underneath their skin, not much, but it's underneath enough. That just by a little bit. Just by, just enough. Yeah. And so I numb up their finger, make a small cut over the tip of it and then, and then pull the pin out in the office. In the office yeah. And then after that, it's just use of a splint at night for about six to eight weeks. So, so let's say it was a slightly different injury than he had. Um, let's say it wasn't, it didn't involve the, the, the joint that's a little closer to the hand, the PIP joint. It was just purely a DIP mallet and they had gone a non-operative route. And it, and it is his throwing hand to, to sort of, mm -hmm. um, to, to differentiate from Jason's question earlier. If he's got a splint on and he's trying to protect it, would he be able to grip a ball and throw a ball despite the splint? Or do you think that would be a very difficult thing for him to do while he's healing? I think it'd be tough. I mean, it is his middle finger. You could imagine that um, 
again, I, I think that could he grip a ball, I guess, maybe a little bit. Could he play at that level? I don't think so. Um, and again, the, the downside of it, too, is it's six weeks fully straight. Right. No breaks, no, oh, I just bent it the one little time. Right. Any little bend in that finger restarts the clock. Yeah. So the other thing you got to think about is not just like a normal injury. It's just if you bend that finger, if he gets hit, yeah, mm-hmm. we're back again on, t- you know, like we're starting but all over again. What if so, you just wait to start the clock until the season's over? Right. Like, like, like yeah, but is I don't there a think, huge downside to that? I, I don't think that he could play with that going on. I mean, there's for him, obviously, there's downside because the other the other injuries involved. Right. Um, I don't for think, sure. Yeah, without question. Yeah. I, I don't think that he could play, though, even with just a, a mallet finger. I mean, uh, if you were maybe a different position player, it would be a discussion for sure because they can overcast that too during games right um i just uh, for a quarterback that's that's probably not a good idea yeah i I see where you're going with the question where it's almost like the way this happened in the beginning of the season him getting it now puts him in place to finish the season and potentially get them you know to the playoffs We, we don't know how the next X amount of weeks are going to go, and I'm right. sure we'll get to that. But your question was, you know, could we have waited and you know put this off a bit? Right. But it, he, it doesn't sound like he would have been very effective. Yeah. And, and from my understanding, again, I'm not a and I'm not a football coach, but the middle finger does a lot when it comes to throwing the football. The yeah. index finger is just kind of flapping there. It's really just for placement. That's right. <laughs> the, the, the middle finger does a lot of the control, a lot of the spin. Yeah. If you think uh, to your point, I mean, what fingers yeah. are on the seams right. normally? You know, yeah. it's so. Yeah. That, that's why it's a big deal. Right. Uh, my next question. So Russell Wilson's kind of future here, and I'll break right. it up into two questions here. Long term, what is the success, success rate of these procedures? Does he return to normal form in whatever time frame that may be, whether it's next year? Does he recover as normal? Yeah, this is... Again, I mean, I wish it was a more straightforward injury. I think there'd be more straightforward mm-hmm. answers to it. But if you look at mallet fingers alone, if I want, if I break it up for you, I think that's an easier way to look at it. So again, I don't know. It's not like it's my preference to mm-hmm. keep people straight for six weeks right. and then sure. take it out. It's just, that is just what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw something about him like, oh, I think I'm going to be back don't, in four. Don't, don't jump the gun. That was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll get focus. I guess, focus on long term. Focus on long term. Yeah, I don't. I, I think that if I didn't you mean to cut you Complication rate. So it's uh, in terms of recurrence and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It happens. It's small though, mm-hmm. um, and he's got a lot of people looking after it mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I, I don't think that's going to be the issue. The problem is uh, when you get to the PIP joint, it would re- you'd really like to see that X-ray mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. And we don't have a lot of information about that. It's just something like it was fixed with screws or some yeah. kind of kind of vague description like that. Yeah. And Stephen Chin is like a fantastic guy and a fantastic surgeon. But to me, any violation of that joint, it has big, big time consequences. And so that is more my concern because in my hands, I I get people with those kind of injuries into therapy literally three to five days out from surgery max. Uh, in terms of getting it moving and starting to use it. I mean, we really got away from the old, like, you know, cast it for four weeks, don't don't touch it, don't look at it. You know, it's these tiny pieces, keep it stable. Um, stiffness tends to be the biggest issue. That's right. Stiffness, swelling, all yeah. this kind of stuff. And that's, and I'm talking about people who are moving these things days after Early, surgery. Yeah. And 
yeah, he's an NFL quarterback. Yeah, he has the best resources, but biology is biology. And my, yeah. my issue is that I think that if you look at it like you broke my wrist, I fixed the wrist, now go back and play. It's not really the same with the finger, even though you'd think like, oh, it's a little finger. Who cares? Right. It, they're a pain in the butt, those yeah. injuries, big time. Um, and to be rehabbing that on top of a mallet finger, I know there's, I mean, we'll get into the talk of return and all this kind of stuff, but it's a uphill battle for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a, a diehard Seahawks fan, close family member. He's been living out in Seattle for a number, number of years, um, lives and dies by his Seahawks. I know he's a listener. We, we know that they were given the timetable for six to eight weeks. And as you started to allude to before I cut you off inappropriately, uh, <laughs> Russell has stated he's aiming to be back in four weeks. Yeah. Greg, if you're listening, what are the odds of that, Dr. Jennings? I'd say zero. Zero yeah. percent. You, you just crushed his heart. <laughs> There's just no way. You know, yeah. it's just it's not anyone's opinion. It's yeah. biology. And yeah. I just don't see even six weeks to me is like, yeah. how are you doing that? Like, uh you're talking about maybe the pins coming out, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, and this is a conversation you know, we all take care. Of. I, obviously, uh, Dr. Frey here takes care of more athletes than me, just the nature of his job. And I'm sure you have a similar discussion with them. In fact, I'd like to hear your, your input on this because this <laughs> is a very hard discussion for right. me. But there's a difference, too, between can and should. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, like the pins out you're moving it now and all that kind of stuff but i'm curious if he what his picture in his mind of what his finger is going to look and function like mm -hmm. right. matches up with what he's going to see week six week Certainly four week four i right. mean week four right. is like I, again i don't see any way unless there's something that i'm missing mm -hmm. i don't see any way a mallet finger is allowed to do anything before six weeks mm -hmm. just because uh, I'm assuming he pinned it and I'm assuming that pin's yeah. going to be in for six weeks because literally every single textbook says mm -hmm. that. But the question is going to be like when reality sets in, when the pin's out and it's like, okay, you can move it, you can use it, you can do this stuff. You're talking about an NFL quarterback. And mm -hmm. again, this is <laughs> this is a big ask yeah. of a finger that sure. quickly afterwards. A uh, very prominent one, a very good one, and one who has, is still relatively young and has, still has years ahead exactly of Exactly right. So again, that goes back to can and should, right. you know? And so, I don't know. I mean, I guess we'll see where they're at in their season in terms of like how things are going for them and stuff like that. But I, I'd be, honestly, I'd be shocked at six weeks. Yeah. So if you, if you have to make a, a prediction and, and granted you're doing it with limited information. I'd call eight. Eight. I'd That's call what you anticipate, weeks. eight weeks. All right. All right. And then when he first gets back, do you think there's a drop off in performance? Do you think he's going to struggle a little bit with grip on the ball and a little bit impacting his accuracy? Or do you think when he comes back, he, he's good to go? Like won't be a problem? It's tough to say. I mean, it's not just, it's not just accuracy and stuff like that. It's the mentality of a quarterback having 300 pound guys running full tilt at you. Do you, do you that same play go back to the same play? Does right. he fire it out of bounds instead of trying to make that, you know, I, that pass wasn't caught obviously, but it was a good pass nonetheless. <laughs> um, but does he get kind of like alligator hands again and right. try to get so out of speak, there right. and protect the finger and all that kind of stuff. And, um, we were actually, oddly enough, talking about Carson Wentz uh, randomly before he got here and how after his knee injury, it just 
he just never looked like the same guy. And it's not that he couldn't run or cut or do anything. Yeah. There's just more, there's a, a whole, again, and this is way more in your domain than right. mine. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you deal with this every single day, but there is a psychological Huge component psychological to injuries factor. too. Yeah. And so uh, what's his finger going to be like? I don't know. I mean, he's being treated by one of the top hand surgeons in the country. He's probably getting all the best resources and stuff like that. But your biology is your biology. Could there be issues there? Sure could. And no matter what those resources are, uh, we'll see what becomes of that. But again, I mean, even a finger that's doing fantastic, uh, I would expect in eight weeks there's pretty considerable amount of swelling still at the yeah. at the joint below, right. at the PIP joint. And I bet that he's not trying to throw that hand out there uh, and, and stress test the repair and screws <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's minimum for any one of us who does orthopedics, we know six weeks is like your minimum for fracture healing kind of stuff. And that's probably remodeling and improving over three months. Afterwards. For sure. Right. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know, the NFL, this guy's not going back to, you know, to, to table tennis or something. This is a big, a big difference. Dr. Jennings, when are you allowing him to start functionally working with his physical therapist, athletic trainers there for the Seahawks? We know you said like return to play is likely eight weeks. When are you clearing him to start being a little bit more aggressive with the rehab? Yesterday. Yeah, I mean, they. I would get yeah. – it's tough a little bit, again, without seeing the x-rays, sure. but this is one of those We're things We're going on no information. You got right. pins across the joint that yeah. you need immobilized. Mm-hmm. And that is a big, big help with this because then you don't have to worry. You know, it's tough. You're trying to not move one joint, mm-hmm. and the next joint – if you look at your own hand, look how close that is. Yeah. You know, you're trying to keep one from moving and then maximally move the next one down. Yeah. And the way your fingers function is a very, very complex pathway. And so you're getting no pull through the FDP, the, mm-hmm. the bottom tendon that runs all, to, all the way to the top. So you're asking just one of those two tendons to do all the work in terms of flexing the finger and getting motion down. It's tough, uh, but I would start him literally right away. Right. Yeah. What do you think about career impact here? So let's say this year he gets back and, and let's say the Seahawks make the playoffs, which is certainly not, out, not outside the realm of possibility. And um, he's able to come back. He has maybe, you know, maybe he plays a few games at the end of the season. He has a little bit of a playoff run. Clearly there's more of a chance of this injury and still impacting that, although, you know, remains to be seen. But what about the long term, the, the long haul next year and the year after that and maybe two, three years down the road? I think he's fine long term. Uh, again, you got the best people there, and same thing. There, God forbid, he has like a little more droop than expected, or whatever, in the right. finger or something like that. Off season, going back to your point, now we're talking about off season. You can revisit Correct this that. or whatever you need to do. Um, for these PIP joint injuries, sometimes you got to go back in and do contracture releases, or we say tenolysis, just freeing up the tendons. Actually, because you can imagine they're not. The one of those two tendons isn't moving this whole time. Right. And they can scar down to each other because of all the you know the stuff going on. Those are the things I'm thinking about that I think you could probably get mostly to the bottom of in the off season. Uh, going back to your point, though, I, my worry more is what goes on in the next you know it, this season. It, sure. it, does he have that scarring stiffness? Any of that kind of stuff, recurrent instability, anything like that. I guess as, as 99% of these episodes go, uh, they're always unscripted, but I have another uh, unscripted question for you. <laughs> Aside from Dr. Frey's page of notes there, is this what a I referral do. to an occupational therapist or is this? Immediately. 
immediately yeah yeah we we work really closely with our hand therapists in in our offices yeah and they're our, our team at recon's phenomenal phenomenal yeah. yeah they're really really good uh, we have vicky and jen are both with me um and yeah. uh it's a big deal because we we talk on a daily basis yeah. go back here's what he's doing let's ramp this up what do you yeah. think and we're so it's a much more fluid script yeah. than here you go you know for your knee pain, go, go, you know, somewhere and mm-hmm. they'll work on it and I'll right. see you in six to eight weeks. Um, we're changing things literally on a daily basis right. for some of these people. And, and especially with on, this, right? Where stiffness is such an issue, but you don't want to overdo exactly it. Right. That, that close yeah. coordination is extremely That's exactly helpful. right. Yeah. So, um, and, and not to say that there are very, very capable, uh, mm-hmm. hand therapists in the area that we work with too, at, at numerous places, yeah. not to, you know, name names, but uh, for the same reason, I, for me personally, we have each other's phone numbers and stuff like that. Just, you know, not everyone can, mm-hmm. for various reasons, can come come with uh, with Vicky and Jen. But um, I'm sure that they, that he literally from day one has been working on a daily basis multiple times a day, probably for him, which is a real big advantage with them. Yeah, just maybe, maybe start thinking as you guys were talking, you know, here with the Arena Football League, Dr. Frey, like I, we didn't have an occupational therapist on staff. I don't know right. how many other professional sports do. Obviously, Arena Football wasn't at the level of the NFL. Um, but how many of these organizations have an occupational therapist on staff or is just something that the, the physical therapist would then outsource? You know, we, we got to get an OT in here. I'm sure that they have them on staff. Yeah. I, I mean, I they're, they're, yeah, yeah, they yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, what do you want? Uh, the same reason you're seeing a hand yeah. surgeon in the first place. Right. You know, you could go see an orthopedic surgeon or I guess a plastic surgeon if we're talking about hand stuff. Right. Uh, but instead, you chose to see someone who specializes in that. And the same thing, these these hand therapists are not just occupational therapists, but they've done extra training. Right. You, hand we certificate. see CHT right. after their name, certified hand therapist. Yeah. And I'm sure they have them on staff. Dr. Fred, to switch gears a little bit, uh, focusing our attention on fantasy football. How does your week go? So um, in our uh, competitive mm-hmm. league, uh, I, I pulled out another victory. I, I defeated uh, one of our three-time guests, Dr. Murray. Knocked him down. And he's undefeated now. You're, or you're undefeated now. No, I do, I do have one loss okay. to, to Carrie Lipinski, <laughs> the athletic trainer I work most closely with. She knocked me right off. All right, let's go real quick. Rapid fire. Uh, Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the Kansas City Chief. MCL right. sprain. Yeah. Typical return for that. So it depends on the grade of the tear. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is... Th- there's a fair amount of variation, so devil's in the details. Frequently, the lower grade ones are about two weeks, a rare, rare occasion, maybe a week, but but usually it's about two weeks. The higher, the sort of medium grade ones, usually more mm-hmm. in that that four week variety, and the more severe ones uh, can be up, you know, eight weeks or so. My understanding that this is more that middle grade, so I'm going to anticipate probably a four week return. Once return, concern for him for the rest of the season? Uh, not necessarily. Yeah. If you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna tear a ligament in your knee, that's probably the one you want to tear, right? Yeah. It's rare that it needs surgery. It heals very well on its own, and people tend to get back to normal once once they're better. Yeah. Saquon Barkley, uh, pretty textbook lateral ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty amazing uh, video footage of him on the sideline with this huge amount of swelling on yeah. over the lateral malleolus. Crazy uh, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, listed as week to week. Yeah. Um, your thoughts on that? Yeah, sometimes I get back uh, within a week if there's that much swelling. So, you know, we kind of grade them on, on how they go around the ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's, if it's multiple ligaments and it was really bad around the ankle, I could see two weeks, maybe three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically a shorter injury, certainly not a high ankle sprain kind of, kind of a out, outlook. I, I have two questions about this. Sure. Number one, mm-hmm. 
all the tape that I see around their shoes, their ankle, all the stuff. Yeah. How the heck do you sprain your ankle with all that stuff around there? And second, their second question is, how do these guys run so fast right. with all that stuff taped? Like, where's the... I think part two of that question is the more amazing portion, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know how they do it. It's extraordinary. If you've ever had your ankle taped, you lose some of your range of motion. Like, yeah. you can't do that's as what, much as that's you did. sometimes what our goal is. Right. For, coming from the guy that, that is doing the taping, I mean, yeah. our goal is to limit the amount of excessive inversion, eversion, and um, every, every strip of tape. I mean, it, it has a purpose that we're doing. Now, now that said, um, even though it's it's not not the goal, there, you know, there it's been looked at, it's been studied, and, and typically 10, 20 minutes in, the tape probably isn't preventing anything at that point. It does stretch a little bit, mm-hmm. it slides on the skin a little bit. So so it doesn't take sweating, too long. They yeah. start sweating, yeah. And and all of a sudden, you know, it's there, it's tighter. You don't have free motion, but but if, if you're gonna get injured, uh, if, if the if the if the hit is bad enough, if the if the you know the sort of instability is bad enough, the injury is gonna happen despite the tape or despite the brace or whatever it is. Yeah. Joe Mixon returned last week after a similar injury. A, a, what I'm assuming is a lateral ankle sprain. It was listed as a low sprain. Right. Uh, that was happening the week before the Thursday night game against Jaguars. Yeah. Could we expect that there's a possibility Saquon also comes back after one week? Clearly, there's a possibility yeah. that he does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that these are usually one to two week injuries. A lot of it is, um, you know, pain tolerance and how well they can start to cut and move on mm-hmm. it again with the taping and whatnot. Yeah. The truth is, though, sometimes it does take longer. Yeah. Um, but but my 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 expectation is usually when I hear that, the first thing I think is probably two weeks. Yeah. Sometimes you get back on one, but sometimes it's three. His swelling was incredible. I yeah. Don't, you know, I'm assuming you yeah. saw it at this point. But I actually had not. Yeah. I hate to say it. Yeah. A big, a big old grapefruit right there on the uh, outside of the ankle. But uh, for both of you, Dr. James, Dr. Frey, uh, Joe Barros, quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, probably outside of both your. What in the heck was that? Right. So he he <laughs> leaves he leaves the stadium. He after the game he goes to the hospital for a throat contusion, having trouble speaking. Again, I know we're not experts on this. Yeah. Thoughts on what that could be? What that <laughs> yeah, means? Yeah. Happened I mean, to one of my kids. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So you can get. Sorry to hear that. Probably. Yeah. So yeah, he. I mean, so one of my kids was pushing one of his like little wheelbarrows, slipped and the wheelbarrow went right up into oh, his throat oh and we were watching him and then he starts like kind of coughing and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And we, we just took him to the pediatrician. I was like getting ready to go to chop and stuff like yeah. that. Right. You know, just Panic like, time. just like what pulls our hair out, you know, patients right. come in looking up all this crazy stuff on their phones. What's the first thing we do when we get into right. trouble? Right. We look stuff up on our phones. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh my God, like, you know, he's going to like, his airway is going to close and all this kind of stuff. But the biggest worry with that is your voice box, your larynx, you right. get yeah. laryngospasm from it. And so the, you leave the, I mean, I'm sure that that's what their concern was. Either he starts coughing, wheezing, changing your voice, you're you're getting hoarse and that kind of stuff, or you're you're saying he's having trouble breathing, something like that, but uh, been there and it's a scary thing. And I'm sure, you know, the sideline, whoever was on the sideline, the trainer, whoever was probably- To the ER. Yeah, like (laughs) goodbye kind of thing, you know? Dr. Frey, do you, do you think he returns this week? And we know now he's back at the facility. Right. Is that something that needs a little bit more time, you think? Yeah. We, truth, don't, we don't know, right? Yeah. My, I, I, I wish I could tell you I knew more about this particular injury. Yeah. My gut is, though, is that um, if, it, if he hasn't had any sequelae and he has, had, has not had any issues, that there's probably a pretty high chance he's back this week. Yeah. 
we'll finish up with the last one. Maybe something you're more familiar with. Your Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh (laughs) man, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's done for the year. Done for the year. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. because of what? So, you know, I'm kind of curious myself, to be honest with you. I don't know the details of the injury. I know it was a dislocated shoulder. I have to imagine a piece of bone came off with it Mm -hmm. and a reasonably substantial piece of bone came off with it. And um, my understanding is that it's right into surgery. You know, maybe maybe it was just labrum and they but and this is not the first time it's happened to them. But my gut is that there is a piece of bone that came off, something we call a bony bank cart, or um, or potentially even went out the back, right? Mm-hmm. He's a football player, and there's yeah. that stress, and uh, maybe he fractured a, a, the back portion, the posterior portion of the of the golf tee, so to speak. You know, with the analogy we always give is a golf ball sitting on a golf tee, and um, it's one thing if the labrum, the soft tissue, kind of peels away, and it's a whole other entity if part of that golf tee breaks, either the bottom front part or the bottom back part mm-hmm. um, and, and a much bigger deal if it's the bottom back, back what's part. Making you ta- what's making you take that right to surgery? What's that? So if there's a big piece of bone there, I you think... Instability what, is your word. Yeah, yeah, and recurrent instability. So I think that... I mean like with, acute, inst- like you can't keep it in, I'm assuming. I mean like, you know, yeah, I'm talking no, about right away going to surgery. Right, kind of thing. exactly. Well, so... Absolutely, one hundred percent. If if you can't keep it in, right? Yeah. It's, it's it's a you know half of the half of the socket, half of the golf tee is broken off. Then then what choice do you have, right? You got to take it yeah. take it quickly or sooner than later, not emergently, but sooner than later. And I'm guessing for him, if it's a substantial piece, even if it's not, you're able to get it back in, but yeah. but it's pretty delicate. But it's still a substantial piece, and the writing's on the wall on where this is probably headed. They're probably not going to sit around and wait and potentially cost another year. They're just going to take them right away. Call it the end of the year. All right. You know, it's done for the year. Let's take them. Let's get them fixed. But at least we'll have them back next year. Is that easier or harder for you acutely? I'm assuming you got yeah. big hemarthrosis. You got right. stuff like that, but maybe more mobility, less scar. Yeah. So my, my experience has been that it's it's easier earlier um mm-hmm. and but earlier doesn't mean two or three days later earlier means a week or two later as opposed to physical therapy going through the whole process you know six months down the line three months down the line a year down the line um where sometimes then you're going in you're peeling up scar tissue and peeling yeah. up scarred in um labrum and st- stuff that's in the wrong place you go in early it's kind of all kind of right there it's easy to move you tack it down like it's it's actually i think sort of dramatically improves the ease of the surgery. And especially with that, with that bone fragment, the bone can begin to resorb, bone can heal in a poor place. Like there's other issues. I don't know there was a bone fragment involved in this. I'm guessing that there was, yeah. but yeah, yeah. You know, that was the first thought that I had too, though. Like, like, man, that was, that was quick. And, yeah. and then the next thought I had was probably bony involvement. If the Steelers are in the Super Bowl early February, he's not there. No, 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 no. I think, I think, I think it's a, I think would be a real long shot. Um, First for them to be there, unfortunately, I hate to say. And then, then too, if if they are there. It was kind of a loaded question, but yeah. (laughs) I'm just entertained by the fact that people with knee injuries, you get a shoulder injury. Oh, it's like a season, nine months, et cetera. Okay. Okay. Your fingers hanging off. Right. What? Four weeks, you think? Quarterback. Five weeks. It's like, right. Why, the disrespect for the hand is just is just unbelievable. Get used you know, to it, like, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the uh, funnier moments before we close out for tonight, the, one of the funniest moments we've had was uh, episode seven. You were on with us way back in May. I know where um, you're going with this. I listened the other you, day and I was cracking you, up. You kind of, Dr. James, you make a comment and you're like, 
Yeah, I mean, last time I last time I saw you can function without an ACL. Last time I checked, you, you can and, run without an ACL. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think people discredit the importance of, of what you do for a living, or what you Thank what you, you take care of. I, I I still think about that moment where you just kind of, yeah. Well, I mean, last time I checked, yeah. <laughs> right. right. Well, I, I have office hours right behind uh, Dr. Frey here, and so he hears it from me pretty much all day long. So. <laughs> Nonstop. <laughs> well, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap things up for tonight. Dr. Jennings, it was a pleasure to have you back on. Let's not make it another five months. Let's get you on again. <laughs> Anytime. Really, really happy to be on, and, and it, was, it was fun as always. Thanks, man. Before we go ahead and close out our tab for tonight, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors, Reconstructive Orthopedics, with our eight locations and focused on you approach, covering all of your orthopedic needs. The Energy Lab, the region's premier sports performance destination. Neck of the Woods Brewing Company, located right here in Pittman, New Jersey, 614 Lambs Road. For hosting us each and every week, we want to thank them. And our good friends at Timber Reel Productions, Joe Warner, our on-site producer, and Kyle Miller, our editor. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll catch you guys next time. Have a good night.